Okay, Mark chapter number one, if you will. Mark chapter one. And we're going to do something tonight and next week that came up from last week's uh, message or study. And that is I got asked some, a question or two about Daniel 9. And I just thought we would take, you know, 30, 40 minutes this evening, introduce it, and then finish it up next time. Um, I know we're here in verse 14. Now after that, John was put in prison. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. And again, we looked at that issue of the time is fulfilled when the Lord says that, and the kingdom of God is at hand. So there is a specific time schedule in prophecy in connection to the gospel of the kingdom of God. And if you come back with me to Daniel 9, and it's laid out for us in Daniel 9. And you start there in verse 24. And again, with Daniel, uh, he's, he's learned through, from Jeremiah and 2 Chronicles and some couple other places about the 70 years uh, being accomplished in the desolations of the land. So they've been now gone 70 years. In chapter 8, um, the, I'm sorry, in, in uh, chapter 5, you have the end of the reign of Babylon with uh, Belshazzar being killed. In chapter 5, verse 30, and that night was Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, slain. And Darius the Median took the kingdom, being about threescore and two years old. So you have the Medes and the Persians now. Daniel sees that. He looks there and he says, okay, 70 years are up. The next Gentile power is on play, is on the scene. That's what Daniel 2 does with the image of, Bab of Nebuch that Nebuchadnezzar sees is it lays out the Gentile power. And one of that, and actually that Gentile power is still in effect today it, because you've got Babylon, then you have the Medes and the Persians, and then you have Greece. And Greece gets busted up into four nations, okay? Rome, Greece, Greco-Roman, they call that, then Syria, and then uh, Turkey, and then um, the uh, uh, China, the Southeast Asia area, okay? And when that happens, so the Roman Empire is really the Greco-Roman Empire. It's the piece of, of Greece. It's still influential today, okay? Now, in the age of the body, dispensation of grace, the body of Christ, all that's been suspended, but you see those powers go. Daniel knows that. He knows, look, the Babylonian rule is over. The, the Darius the Mede and Cyrus the, the, the Persian, they're here now. And we should be going back to Jerusalem. So it's time to go back. So he does the national confession. He does the national prayer. Then Gabriel shows up and says, slow your roll, dude. There's something else going to happen now. 
because the land has been cleansed. It's enjoined her Sabbath, Sabbath, and it's been cleansed. That's why it was 70 years. And uh, uh, um, Jeremiah tells them that the land has to enjoy her Sabbath. We'll get back over in Deuteronomy here in a little bit. You'll, we'll, well, in Leviticus, we'll see that. Now that's been accomplished. The land was to enjoy a Sabbath every seventh year. Six years they were working. In that sixth year, the Lord blessed them abundant so that they could take a whole year off. They, didn't, they weren't to plant. They weren't to do anything. They had everything provided in the sixth year to cover the seventh year. But what did Israel do? They didn't do that. They kept working the fields. They kept working the land. So now it took 70 years to clean up the land, but now the people are still dirty. They haven't been cleaned up. So now, how long is it going to take to clean the people up? And that's really the issue now. Moving forward here, Daniel 9, verse 24, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people. 70 weeks, it's going to take 70 weeks of something to clean them up and then to, and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. So there's, it's going to take 70 weeks of somethings, of, in, in the case here, years, and it's, it's going to take that long to clean up the people. And this, this passage here, 24, verse 25, Now therefore and understand, I'm sorry, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street will be built again and the wall even in troublous time. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself and the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end thereof shall be with a flood and, with, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease and for the overspreading of the abomination he shall make it desolate even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now, that passage is a, is a fundamental passage that you have to grasp and you've got to understand because it lays out the time, the, the template for everything that the prophetic program is going to accomplish, how the prophetic time schedule is going to work. Daniel 2, here's the template for the Gentile power. There they are. By the way, in Revelation over there, he talks about the seven nations. Five, uh, th uh, I'm sorry, the five. I, I, just, <laughs> I just went through my mind, so i got to go read the passage. It's Revelation chapter number... Oh. I'm getting there. Nope. Went too far. Revelation... I thought it was eight, but it's not. 
You know how when you think of it and it hits you? Well, you know what? It helps to be in Revelation. 1710, that sounds about right. That's a great year. Yes, 1710. <laughs> when he says there, uh, verse 9, And here is the mind which hath wisdom, the seven heads or seven mountains on which the woman sitteth, and there are seven kings. Five are fallen. You see that five are fallen? So the seven heads, there are seven kings, seven kingdoms, five are fallen, one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. So when you think about the five that are fallen, you have Egypt, you have Syria, you have Babylon, you have the Medes and the Persians, and then you have Greece as a whole, okay? Then you have one that now is. Well, who was in charge of the world in the day of John? Rome was. So you have that component of Rome, that leg of Rome there. Then one is yet to come, and that's the kingdom of the Antichrist. So you have those seven king nations, Gentile powers, are going to be persecuting the nation of Israel. Now, when you come back to Daniel 9... <laughs> That went through my mind. And so anyway, so Daniel 2, here's the template of the Gentile world power. And in Daniel 9, here's the template of the prophetic time schedule. So in, when, in Mark 1, when the Lord says, hey, the time is fulfilled, he's talking about Daniel 9. And we looked at this last time. I know we did because I got a couple questions about, hang on a minute, you said some things and where are you getting that from? So we're going to do that here, okay? Look at Daniel 9, verse 24. Watch how this develops out. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. So prophecy, all of the prophetic program, is concerning the nation of Israel and the city, Jerusalem. All right? Matthew 5 over there, he... Or, um, he says that the city of the great king, Jerusalem, Matthew 5, uh, 35, that's how you know the city. Now, what happens is, is most of Christianity, including a couple that asked me one of the questions that came up, they read this, they don't believe the passage to be literal. They spiritualize it. And when they spiritualize it, they bring it over and make the nation, thy nation and thy kingdom, they make that the church, the body of Christ. Okay? And when they do that, they make the nation, thy people, the body, and then they say, upon thy holy city, and they run that into something else. Okay? So when they do that, they do it because they don't understand the passage, number one. Number two, they do it because if they don't, if they do understand the passage, they don't like what it's teaching. Because it's teaching Israel and prophecy, and that does not include us today. Come over to Matthew chapter 5. Just a couple things here on this issue, and you'll see what they do with it. Matthew 5. In Matthew 5, we have what was called the Sermon on the Mount. And you have the Beatitudes listed, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in, in spirit, 
For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall, what? Inherit the earth. So what they say is, is that's not the literal, physical, visible, touch earth. That's a spiritual issue. Okay? And it's not really the earth. It's rather some kind of mystical thing. And then they'll say, well, the kingdom is found in the hearts of men, and it's not a literal, physical, visible, real deal. Now, when you read Psalms 37, where he quotes this from, guess, and it says, shall inherit the earth, and, and so forth. What are they inheriting? The earth. The literal, physical, visible, real terra firma. All right? So when you come on over to Acts... Acts chapter 1. Here, here's another thing that they do. And when you see this or hear this, you just kind of have to let them get it over with and then yawn and you know plug your ears and just keep moving on because you're not going to move them off of it because they're looking for this special warm feeling that, flow, that gets them. Look at Acts 1 verse 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and under the uttermost parts of the earth. So what do the big boys do with this? What mainline Christianity, you know what they say? They say Jerusalem is your city, your hometown. Then they say Judah is the county you live in, and Samaria is the state you live in, and the uttermost parts of the earth is the United States, the whole of it. Now, okay, all right, you, and you sit there and you go, huh? Because if you look at verse 11, look at verse 11. Here's the problem, which also said, ye men of what? Galilee. Galilee. Jerusalem. Why stand ye gazing up into heaven? You got, verse 12, then returned they unto Jerusalem. Jerusalem was not their hometown. They're from Galilee. They're from up north. So there's a problem here. And the problem is, is when, when you, you know, go back to Daniel 9, when you get into this, the city, thy people, that's a literal, physical, visible nation of Israel, and the city, again, Matthew 5, 33, Jerusalem, the city of the great king, that's a literal, physical, visible kingdom. So when you read prophecy, none of this is, you, is a figure of speech. You look at it literally. You take, you take the issues and you look at the context. You can go get a remoter context. We're making reference back. But it's literally what it's talking about. So the totality of prophecy is going to focus on the nation of Israel and a geographical city called Jerusalem. And when it focuses in on Israel's, God's plan and purpose for Israel as a nation, as his nation, and then God's plan and purpose for the city of Jerusalem to be that seat of authority over the land that God is going to give that nation, and that's where he's going to set his kingdom up. So when you come back to Daniel 9, 24, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city, He's talking about Israel, and he's talking about the city, Jerusalem. So the first step, all right, again, most of Christianity 
gets off base here. They mess this up because they go spiritualize it to make it into you and I today in the church, the body of Christ, and that just isn't the case. So then they say 70 weeks are determined. So, all right, Rick, so 70 weeks of what? <laughs> and that's where some of the questions from, honest questions came from. In Scripture, first of all, in a dictionary. I, by the way, for Father's Day, I got the Oxford English Dictionary in compact form. So it's one volume, about that thick, and the print is like, it's so small, i got to have a magnifying glass. And you know what? It came with the magnifier. So I ordered a bigger one, a more powerful one, to get it. And you know what? When you read that thing, you get all the history. And in the dictionary, when you think about a week, it's some kind of a unit of seven days is how the dictionary defines it. Now, in Scripture, Scripture defines it as seven units of something. And the context of the verse is going to tell you whether it's seven days or seven or years or weeks and so forth. Come back with me to Exodus 34. And so let's answer, you know, one email here, Exodus 34. That, by the way, I answered the emails of watch Wednesday night. So hopefully they watch it and they see it. And if they don't, it'll be on the record as long as YouTube is up and running. It'll be there. Look at Exodus 34, verse 22. Six days thou shalt work, but on the seventh day thou shalt rest. In, ear in earing time and in harvest thou shalt rest, and thou shalt observe the feast of weeks of the first fruits of the wheat harvest and the feast of ingathering at the year's end. Notice he calls it the feast of what? Weeks, plural. So we've got a feast of literally seven weeks here is what he's going to do with. Not a feast of weeks as in days, but in weeks. You're going to have seven weeks. Um, come over to Deuteronomy. Just kind of flow here with me. So we're moving out. Second, or Exodus 34, Moses gives them a feast of weeks. Look at Deuteronomy 16. Deuteronomy 16. And look at verse 9. Seven weeks shalt thou number unto thee. Begin to number the seven weeks from such time as thou beginnest to put the sickle to the corn. So you're going to start harvest. Then you're going to start and you're going to count seven, what? Weeks. Seven times seven is 49 days. And thou shalt keep the feast of weeks unto the Lord thy God with the tribute of a freewill offering and so forth. So how long is the feast of weeks? Seven weeks. That's how long it is. Verse 10. Seven weeks. It's called feast of weeks. Now drop down to verse 16. Three times in a year shall all the males appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose in the feast of unleavened bread. What is that feast usually called? Passover. And in the feast of weeks, there's Pentecost. And in the feast of tabernacles, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty. So what do you've got? 
The Feast of Unleavened Bread. Passover happens on the 14th. The very next day is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. This is Passover. You're going to be in town for Passover, for Pentecost, which, by the way, is 50. And then you're going to be there for the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, come back to Leviticus 23 and watch this work itself out. Leviticus 23. In verse 15, actually verse 5, in the 14th day of the first month at even is the Lord's Passover. And on the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So that Feast of Unleavened Bread and Passover are together. Okay, verse 15. And ye shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. So how many is that? Seven weeks. There's your Feast of Weeks. Even unto the morrow, after the seventh Sabbath, shall ye number how many days? Fifty days. And ye shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. The, the idea, the thing is, you got a week, seven days, seven Sabbaths is seven weeks, and then you got a week that's seven, so the Feast of Weeks is seven weeks or 49 days. The idea of a week in Scripture is more than just a day, seven days. It could be a week of weeks, which is going to be 49 days. Are we confused yet? <laughs> All right, Leviticus 23, look at verse 16 again. You're going to have 50 days, and that day, the 50th day is, is what is called Pentecost. Okay, now come over to chapter 25 of Leviticus. My point is, is when you think 70 weeks, don't instantly jerk to days, but it's a, ask the question, weeks of what? Is it weeks of days? Is it weeks of weeks? Is it weeks of Sabbaths? What is it? And the context will tell you. Leviticus 25, verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses in the Mount Sinai, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, when you come into the land which I give you, then shall the land keep a Sabbath unto the Lord. Now watch. Six years thou shalt sow thy field, and six years thou shalt prune thy vineyard, and gather in the fruit thereof. But in the seventh year shall be a Sabbath of rest unto the what? Unto the land. A Sabbath for the Lord Thou shalt neither sow thy field nor, nor prune thy vineyard. Six years they're going to work the field. The seventh year is a Sabbath of rest for the land. A whole, now notice that Sabbath is the whole year, 360 days. Oh, by the way, we'll get to that in just a minute, okay? Because last week I made a comment that in prophecy the year is 360 days. And I'll show you how we get there, okay? A week here, so when he says 70 weeks, a week can be a week, it can be a week of days, seven days, it can be a week of weeks, or it could be a week of years, and that the seventh year you take it off. Verse 8, and thou shalt number seven Sabbaths of years unto thee, 
seven times seven years, and the space of the seventh Sabbath of years shall be unto thee forty and nine years. There's your forty-nine. Now what happens in the fiftieth year? Then shalt thou cause the trumpet of the jubilee to sound. On the tenth day of the seventh month in the day of atonement shall you make the trumpet sound throughout all your land. And ye shall hallow the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a jubilee unto you, and ye shall return every man unto his possession, and ye shall return every man unto his family. A jubilee shall that fiftieth year be unto you. Ye shall not sow, neither reap that which groweth of itself in it, nor gather the grapes in, a, in it of thy vine undressed, for it is the jubilee. It shall be hallow, I'm sorry, holy unto you. Ye shall eat the increase thereof out of the field, and off you go. So what happens in jubilee? All the debts are forgiven, and all the prisoners are released. But what? it's 50, isn't it? It's interesting. The Feast of Weeks is 50 days. This is 50 years. So the pattern, six days, you're going to have a seventh day of rest, the Sabbath day. And, and again, you have to remember, the Sabbath isn't a day off. It's rather a day God created six days. On the seventh day, he rested. It wasn't that he was wore out. He was now it was time to enjoy what he just created. Psalms 132, he says, I'm, gonna, I'm going to... Enter into my rest, his kingdom rest over there. He's going to come in and reign in his kingdom. So why does he create creation? Why does he create the earth and put man in it? What, what is he doing? He's wanting to do what? Be Emmanuel, God with us. He's wanting to come and, and dwell and live and reign with man. Israel was to remember that that was the purpose of creation, but that's also the purpose of the nation of Israel. So you've got six days. You've got a seventh a Sabbath day. You've got a, a, a week of, of days. Then you have a week of weeks. You've got Passover, 49 days, the 50th day. You've got Day of Pentecost. First, uh, the uh, first fruits and all that going on, okay? Then you've got a week of years, the seven years, the land, the six years. Then you go, then you got the weeks of Sabbaths, that 50th year, that Jubilee. So you've got all of these different things going on here that you've got to pay attention to. By the way, do you know what's on the Liberty Bell? You know the Liberty Bell, the one that the... The forefathers had engraved on the Liberty Bell. It's in verse 10. And proclaim and let liberty. So the engraving on the Liberty Bell is let liberty be proclaimed throughout the land. That's a quote out of Leviticus 25, verse 10. And proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants. That's, you know, what they put in there. But that's what they're going to do in Jubilee. They're going to let all the debt go. They're going to release all the prisoners and off 
they go. Now, come to Genesis 29. So, if the water ain't muddy yet, so when he says 70 weeks, the question is, is 70 weeks of what? Now, it's going to be 70 weeks of years, and Genesis 29 defines it that way. In Genesis 29, you have Jacob, and he's wanting to marry Rachel. But before he could marry Rachel, he had to, he, uh, uh, he, he got tricked into marrying her older sister, Leah. Leah. In Genesis 29, verse number 27, is the first time that you see the ish, that word weak show up in Scripture. Verse 27, Genesis 29, 26. And Laban said, It must not be so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her weak. And we will give thee this also for the service which thou shalt serve with me yet seven other years. How does that verse define the use of weak as what? Seven other years. And what, so there's the definition of how the word weak is going to get used in the Old Testament. Now, when it's a week of weeks and a week of years and all that, it's, it's there. We just read them. Come back to Daniel 9. So when you think about 70 weeks of what, Genesis 26, I'm sorry, Genesis 29, verse 27, says a week is going to equal seven other years, seven years. So when he says 70 weeks, what's he going to do? We got 70 weeks, so we're going to have 490 years. 70 times 7. Woohoo, big math, big math, okay? Now, you're in Daniel 9, I hope. Look at verse 1. I'm sorry, in verse 2. Verse 1. In the first, what? Year of Darius. Verse 2. In the first year of his reign. How is Daniel thinking in Daniel 9? He's thinking in what, what counts? Years. He understands. He the Bible precedent, Genesis 29, he's got that. He understands it's about years and the week being years, seven years. He, he's not, he, so he knows that a week is a seven unit of something. And he knows it's seven, it's a unit of years in the case. Now, how do we know this? <laughs> because that's, you know, that's usually the case. Look at verse 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem <clears throat> unto, I'm, I walked away there, unto the Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks. So we're going to start, we're going to go seven, and then we're going to go 62. So we got 69 weeks. All right? The street shall be 
the end of verse 25. The street shall be built again, and the wall even in troublous time. And then, and after three score and two weeks shall Messiah. By the way, three score is 60. A score is 20. So three score is 60. After this, then the Messiah is going to die. Okay? He's going to be crucified. Isaiah 53, the cutting off of the Messiah is Calvary. Verse 26, after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be a flood, and, and, and uh, under the end of the war desolations are determined. So you're going to have the city, you're going to have war, you're going to have flood, you're going to have destruction. Okay? Verse 27, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. There's going to be a confirmation, and it's going to run one week. And we, that's called, that's, there's our 70th week. This time period is going to run 483 years. From the going forth, we'll talk about that next time, to... The cutting off of Messiah right before Calvary. Okay? You with me? The 70th week. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week he shall cause. So this week is in two components. Two pieces. All right? It starts with the signing of the covenant with the Antichrist. In Isaiah, he says, you've made a covenant with death and hell. You see that in Revelation chapter 6 in those four horsemen. The last horse listed is the horse that has got death and hell. So the 70th week doesn't start Revelation 1. It starts Revelation 6. Now, go to Revelation 11. And let's look at the 70th week, if you will. Revelation 11. So we're going to have, this is going to be a seven-year period. Revelation 11, verse 1. And there was given me a reed like under a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar, and them that worship therein. But the court, which is without the temple, leave out, and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread underfoot. How long? Forty-two months. Okay? So you got 42 on one side, 42 on the other. By the way, seven years tw tw times 12 is how many? 84. Oh, big math, big math. Okay, 84. Verse 3. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days. So now we're going to have twelve hundred and sixty days and twelve hundred and sixty days. We're in, all right, chapter 12, verse 13. Chapter 12, we have the war in heaven. That's happening in, in this part. He's cast down in the midst of that week. Verse 13, and when the dragon, and that's Satan, verse 7 there, saw that he was cast unto the earth, 
He persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child, that's Israel, and to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness and into her place where she is nourished for a, a time and times and a half a time. When you add that up, you've got three and a half. Three and a half years, three and a half years. You with me? 12, 14. Revelation 12, verse 14. That's okay. For a time and a times and a half time from the face of the serpent. 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 So, Revelation tells us that 70th week is seven years. 1260 days and 1200, it's 42 months. That's seven years. We got 69 weeks over here, 483 years. We got seven years left to go. In the Lord's earthly ministry here, he is getting them ready. In our study in Matthew, he's get, he spent a bunch of chapters getting them ready for this. Okay? Now, come over with me back to Genesis, if you will. So when we're looking at Genesis 7, get Genesis 7. Gonna have to put your thinking caps on here for a minute. So we're looking at 70 weeks of years. That's where we're looking at. All right? 70 weeks of something. And there, it's going to be years. We know that from Revelation talking about this time period right here. All right? Now, how the question then, and I said it last time, but the question then is how many days are in the year? And in scripture, prophecy runs on the lunar year, which is 360 days. All right, that's how the Bible looks at it, that's how God counts a year in prophecy, and that's important. And if we have time here in a minute, I'll show you something. But look at Daniel, I'm sorry, Genesis 7, and look at verse 24. And the waters prevailed upon the earth how many days? 150. This is Noah and the flood. He was on, it was on there 150 days. All right? Now look back up in, at 711. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day where all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. So he's 600 and what month? Second month and the 17th day, right? All right? By the way, that verse 11 helps you understand that the flood was not just an earthly flood, it was a universal flood. He flooded the whole container. Because the windows of heaven and the depths, it's just the whole thing. Now look across the page to chapter 8 and verse 4. The ark rested in the seventh month on the 17th day of the month upon the mountain Mountains of Ararat. 7, 17. 
So how many months did the water go? Did the flood go? Five months. It starts here. Whoops. Let's go here. Starts here and ends there. So you got five months. How many days? 150 days. 150 days by five gives us what? So the month, it's 30 days a month. This is days. Did I lose you? Try not to lose you. So a month in scripture is 30 days. The date, 7-11, the flood starts on the second month, the 17th day. That's 7-11. In verse 4 of chapter 8, it ends on the seventh month and the 17th day. That's five months that it ran. But we know it's 150 days, so 5 into 150 gives us 30 days. Okay? I'm not a mathematician, so if I can figure it out, then we're all right, I hope, right? Well, if it's 30 days, and you're going to times that out by 12 months, that's 30 days in a month, 12 months, what do we get? 360 days, right? Now, transfer the 360 over here. to the 483, and i got to get my cheat sheet for this one, is 1,000, or no, it's 173,880 days from the going forth to the part there where the Lord says in Luke 19, today was the day of thy visitation, and you missed it. The 483, because this is four eight. This is where we're at. We're not here yet. This hasn't happened yet. We're over here. Last week when we talked, we said Luke 19. He comes that that triumphal entry. He goes in, looks over Jerusalem, weeps, and says, "Today was your visitation, and you didn't. You, you missed me. You, you okay? So that's a very specific number." And Sir Robert Anderson, in his book, The Coming Prince, 19th century, figured that out, too, in his calculation. A couple guys in the 20th century. Now, Sir Robert Anderson was a lawyer and a detective, but a couple theologian guys, and, and I don't remember their names, I apologize. In the 20th century, guess what they, theolo, theolo, came to the same number, the same day. Chronological stuff is a little not up my alley, but they came to the same conclusion. It's that exact. Now come back to Daniel 9. It's that exact. And that's, that's the part that when you think about prophecy, there literally is not a, any wiggle room in this. It's exact. Okay, 
So when you have stuff happen and you go, wait a minute, how'd that happen? Why isn't that adding up right? Little study, and you figure that out, okay? If, on that thought, let's, let's finish Daniel 9 here for just a minute. Look at Daniel 9, verse 24. When G, in Mark 1 there, when Jesus says the time's fulfilled, repent, believe the gospel, they're right on time. Okay? It's right on time. He's right there. We know that the, this, going back, is three and a half years. When he says that, he's right on time. It's not a, eh, maybe, maybe wiggle room. No, it's exact. 9.24, 70 weeks, again, weeks of what? Years are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. Now, he's going to do six things here. The first three are negative. To finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation of iniquity. Those three things there. By the way, these six things, there, he says, uh, are determined upon thy city, upon thy pity. To, to finish, the finishing is over here at the end of the 70th week. It isn't here at Calvary. It's here in the second coming event. That finishes the prophetic clock. The first three. Notice it's to finish transgression, make an end of sins, and make reconciliation for iniquity. Those three things, transgression, sins, and iniquity, are how the Old Testament described the spiritual condition in the nation of Israel. And they have to have their spiritual issues taken care of in order to, for them to be and become the people and be usable by God in the kingdom which then is the back three. By the way, transgressions. Psalms 51, David has sinned, he lists these three out. Bam, bam, bam. Transgression, that's the action. That's the breaking of the law. Iniquity is that issue of when you broke the law, you were in concert with the satanic policy of evil, with the rebellion. Iniquity in Scripture is connected to the rebellion of Lucifer Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 36, or Ezekiel 28, I'm sorry, not 36, 28. When Ezekiel 28 says iniquity was found in you, iniquity is always associated with being connected to and with, in concert with, the satanic rebellion. Sin, that's your state, there's your nature. Then he says, we got three positive things. We are going to, once I have made you usable, by the way, the new covenant does that. The new covenant is instilled in the second coming of the Lord. He says, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, we're going to set up the kingdom. And to seal up the vision and the prophecies, and so we're going to, Bring, we're going to fulfill all that was needed to for all that was promised to them. What was promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to the fathers? You're going to get, and to anoint the most hot, holy, and that is to inaugurate His presence with them in the temple, and, and off you go. 
they're going to do that. This is what Daniel sees. Daniel's way over here. And he sees a cross to this day. Okay? And he says, how are you going to do this? There's going to be seven here, and there's going to be 62 here, and then there's going to be one more out here, but in the meantime, there's going to be some of this happening. He doesn't see what we looked at last time in Luke 16 there, with the, or Luke 13 with the Lord extending it a year. He doesn't see the church, the body of Christ. Why? Because prophecy is concerning who? Thy people and thy holy city. That's where they're at. Okay? Daniel lays out that it's going to take this long to get everybody ready, to get them on board. Now, come back with me to the book of Acts. Okay? Acts chapter 13. Because what happens is you have to pay attention to what you're reading when you're talking about prophecy because this number is exact. These things are exact. I said a minute ago, there's no wiggle room. So then when you see something like this, you got to hold, scratch your head and then and move through it, okay? Notice, if you will, Acts 13. You start in verse 16 and you go to verse 23. And Paul gives an Old Testament history here from Exodus to Christ. All right? Then in verse 23 to 39, he gives an Exodus, he gives a history of the New Testament, if you will. And that is he gives John the Baptist, he gives the cross, he gives Acts, he gives all the way to Paul. Okay? Now notice something with me in verse 18 and about that the time of 40 years all right so we're going to write 40 right in the middle okay verse 20 and after that he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years all right with me so far look at verse 21 and afterward they desired a king, and God gave unto them Saul, the son of Sis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of 40 years. Verse 22. And when he had remo uh, removed him, he raised up unto them David. And how long did David go? 40 years. Uh, verse 22, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse. Second Samuel chapter 5 says he reigned for 40 years. All right? Add that bad boy up. What do we got? I count 570 years. Okay? Now, come over with me to 1 Kings chapter 6. 1 Kings chapter 6.
1 Kings 6 and verse 1. And it came to pass in the 480th year, after that the children of Israel were come out of the land of Egypt, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign. So how, how far are we in? Well, we're in the fourth year. So you got 400. You see, I have to think about this here. I've got to put a little peg here for a minute. Okay. So now you're going to have Solomon's reign. He's been reigning for three years. So now we've got 573. This is Solomon. We're 480 years later. <laughs> okay. If you take 573 and you minus 480, what's your number? 93. We're missing 93 years between what Paul said and his and what 1 Kings 6 says. Okay? So then the question is, is what happened there? What's going on here? What's moving? Well, come back with me to the book of Judges. Now, by the way, none of this that we're talking about plays in on our, on our 70 weeks. Because Daniel, this is all after. This is after the 70 years of Nebuchadnezzar. But I'm sure, I want you to see this so that you can see that when it comes to the numbering, there's something going on in the prophetic clock. Judges chapter 3. Judges chapter 3. In the Old Testament, when God doesn't consider Israel to be his people, he stops the prophetic time clock. When Israel goes into captivity, okay, and pleads a position of dishonor, that potter's clay, the clock stops because they're not his people. Seventy years in Babylonian captivity, they're not his people. Seventy weeks, guess what? They're still not his people, okay? In the, but that clock is ticking to clean up the people. The 70 years, this was for the land. This is for the people in Jerusalem. Now, watch. So the question is, is what happened to the 93? Real quick. Genesis 3. I'm sorry, Judges 3. Look at verse 8, 3, 8. Therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Cushim, that king of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served him how long? Eight years. He stopped the clock for eight years. Chapter, verse 14. So the children of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, how many years? Eighteen years. He stopped the clock for 18 years. Ver, chapter 4, verse 3. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, for he had 900 chariots of iron, 
and 20 years he mightily oppressed the children of Israel. 20. Chapter 6, verse 1. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian. How long? Seven years. <laughs> We're getting there, aren't we? <laughs> getting to the bottom of the board. Look at chapter 13. Or chapter 13. Chapter 13 and verse 1. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into, their, into the hands of the Philistines, how many years? Forty years. You know what that equals? Ninety-three. So Paul is correct, but so is 1 Kings 6. The 93, Paul is looking at total calendar year, the Lord is looking, in 1 Kings 6 1, he's looking at the prophetic clock of 480. Okay? Five times they're, they're brought out into, into uh, captivity and, and so forth. So when you look, and I show this so that you understand, by the way, in uh, chapter 10 and verse 8, and that year they vexed and oppressed the children of Israel 18 years. So now you add 18 to that 93, and what do you get? 111. So, so now you got 591. <laughs> so you just so now you're gonna pull your hair out trying to figure that out. My point is, is when you read and look at stuff. The rule in the Old Testament is, is you better read the whole context and you start dropping things together. When, God, when Israel is not considered to be God's people, he stops that time clock. And then when they're bent, then he counts it, and back and counts it. But Paul in Acts 13, he sees a, the year. How long did it go? 573 years. 480 is the other number scratched it out so how do we get the difference where did that go there's an explanation anytime you ever see a dis discrepancy there's always an explanation you just got to go find it and study it out in mark 1 and in daniel 24 it's time to quit the hour is up go back there to daniel 9 just real quick and get back on where we were again Anytime you find a discrepancy, there's always an explanation. Daniel 9, 24, verse 25. Now Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem. That's going to be Nehemiah 2. We'll look at this next time. About where to start counting the 70 weeks. You're not counting back here in Judges. This is just something for you to know that's there. And you work out where the 111 is, okay? I'm not going to tell you, but you figure it out. It's going to start in Nehemiah chapter 2. And then it's going to run for 490 years. But what has happened in after the cross? 
we had a one-year extension, didn't we not, by the Lord himself. And then we had the church, the body of Christ, introduced into it. These two fit right in here before the cities destroyed the, all that. So it went 483 years, and then what happened? Well, it was going to go 484, one more year, and boom, okay? Now, you get back in Daniel and these 1260, and you got to run out all this stuff, and you do a whole bunch of under. You got 32,000, um, what is it? I just had the number in my head. You end up with uh, 2,300 days, Daniel 8. You end up with... Uh, 1,335 days, you end up with all these different numbers in Daniel, you got to start right. And that's where, we're ha that's where we're at. When you start right, then the rest of it falls right in. Okay? And we want to start right, so we'll pick that up next time. Okay? 70 weeks of years. Again, in Scripture, Genesis 29 is clear. One week seven years, but you got all those other things of when you talk about weeks, you got weeks of weeks and weeks of days and weeks of years and weeks of Sabbaths and all this stuff. And again, context is king. It'll help you understand what's going on. You got a 30-day month period. How'd you learn that from? You learned that from Noah and the flood. Okay, you flooded five months, 150 days, there's 30 days. Times that out by 12, you get your 360 days in a year. We do 365. By the way, every culture counts month, days and months and years differently. Okay? The Mayan calendar is a completely different count than how the, the, the Greco-Roman calendar is, and the, or the Roman Catholic calendar. Israel's calendar, when you look into them, it's completely different, even from our calendar today, when you, when you think, when you get into the orthodoxy of it. When you come to Scripture, this is how you count. And it's based on that lunar moon, a lunar month, rather than, the Indians would say, many moons ago. Well, that's how they counted it, was by the moon cycle. All right, and there's a reason for that, and that's because of that's how the earth was originally. Genesis 1, an evening and a morning was the first day. And that's how you count times. All right, anyway, hopefully that answered some of the questions. If not, at least it was a decent reminder. We need to have a clear understanding of this because we talk about the 70th week of Daniel. We talk about the 69 weeks. We t especially in our gospel studies, we talk about this, and we need to understand this. I know I did this, I think, in the Understanding Israel thing years ago. This is a good reminder, I hope. Okay? All right. Dear Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for your, your word. We thank you for everything that we have in it, to study it, to look at it, and to appreciate the preciseness of your word. And we give you the honor and the glory for that. In your name we pray. Amen.